foolish greetings, my friends. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those awesome tunes are, of course, courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey, and I am, as always, your host, Tessa Morrow. Murders, suicides, overdoses, accidents, dying young, sex symbols, beautiful women. Enter the Playboy curse. Look, we're all going to die, right? I mean, there's no escaping that. No one is getting out of this. Not one. But so many of these women that you're going to hear about today died young, very young. And I'm just sharing a handful of them. Marilyn Monroe. She was featured on the very first Playboy magazine cover, released in December of 1953. Now known as Playmate of the Month or Year or Week or whatever, but Back then, in the Monroe days, it was the sweetheart of the month. Well, Playboy's first sweetheart dies at 36 years old in 1962. She was found in her Brentwood, California home. Cause of death? Acute barbiturate poisoning. Tanya Cruz, Playmate of the Month in March 1961, and one of the only Playboy centerfolds to be of Native American heritage. Well, one day she's driving when out of nowhere a car goes over the median and right into her lane, hitting her head on. The accident, sadly, is fatal as she dies due to her injuries. She was a fierce animal lover and actually as a hobby raised German shepherds which is pretty neat. The animal lover dies at 28 years old. Jane Mansfield named playmate of the month in February of 1955. In 1967 she is traveling through Louisiana on her way to New Orleans for a morning show that she was to be on the following day. When the car she is in crashed into the back of a tractor trailer, the top of the car completely ripped off. She dies instantly at age 34. Also killed in the accident was the driver, Ronnie, and Jane's lawyer boyfriend, Sam. Now, three of her children were actually in the car with them, but thankfully they survived the deadly accident. Carol Willis, Playmate of the Month in July of 1970. The following year, she is driving in Laguna Beach when she is involved in a car crash. She sadly passes away. She is only 22 years old, making her one of the youngest bunnies to die. Adrienne Polak. She dies at age 23 in 1973, overdosing just three weeks after her birthday. She catches the eyes of Playboy when she was featured in the Evil Knievel show. Her sister believes that Playboy had something to do with her death. She shares that at the beginning, Adrian enjoyed being a bunny and working at the clubs, 
This required her to travel a lot, though, and unfortunately, she loses communication with her family. This was tough. They often wondered where she was. Was she okay? The year before her death, her sister notices changes in her sister, and not very good ones. Quote, she was nice at times, but then would be really angry. It wasn't like her. I wondered if something was going on in her life, but she wouldn't say. Unquote. Now, the last time the family saw Adrian was for her birthday. Her mother had taken pictures throughout the day. Everyone celebrating, having fun. It was a great day. Mom promises to send pictures that she had taken to Adrian once they're developed. She would be dead before they got to her. In fact, they arrived the day after her death. Her sister shared in an article, quote, We learned that she had apparently wanted to exit out of Playboy and move on to something else. Why didn't she? Did Playboy have something to do with that? She died from a quaalude overdose, unquote. Now Hefner's executive assistant, head of security, and even a girlfriend of Hefner's shared that this was widely used at the mansion, grossly referred to as leg spreaders. Now after Pollack's premature death, a federal inquiry was launched into the possible use of drugs in the Playboy Mansion. Now, meanwhile, Hefner claims that he never even met Adrian Pollack. Her death crushed her family, obviously. Her father, he was never the same, and he committed suicide back in 1988. When she died, she had a boyfriend named Jerry who shared that she was involved with drug trafficking within the mansion. He himself died in 2009. Willie Ray was Playmate of the Month in February 1971. She dies in 1973, just days before her 24th birthday, due to an overdose of sleeping pills in Vancouver. Paige Young, Playmate of the Month of November 1968. She was found dead in her West Hollywood apartment back in 1974. A friend and fellow model shares that the two had spoken just moments before Paige's death. Quote, Paige had the whole thing planned out down to the very last detail. It was Palm Sunday, and she had came to me to tell me that she was going to kill herself. She stayed in the back house of the duplex where we had lived, and I was at the bathroom window. She comes up to me and calls out saying, I want to show you something. And I was like, what are you up to now, Paige? I couldn't be bothered with any more of her drama. But she was like, no, you've got to come and see this. So I go to her apartment, and she gave me a guided tour of her suicide scene in her bedroom. And it was chilling. There was a large American flag draped across her bed, and there was like a pentagram laid out on the wooden floor. And I remember her showing me around because it was somehow important, but I didn't know what it meant, unquote. So Paige's friend is painting quite an uneasy scene. I could only imagine what was going through her mind as her friend Paige was giving her this 
rather inappropriate tour. What caught the concerned friend's attention probably the most was Paige's bedroom wall. Quote, it was covered from floor to ceiling with photos of Hugh Hefner. There were news clippings, magazine articles, everything you could think of. Written across it was something like, Hugh Hefner is the devil. The whole wall was basically a shrine saying, I hate Hugh Hefner. She put a lot of work into this. It must have taken her days, unquote. Paige then makes a comment to her friend that she is planning on committing suicide. And then she presents a 38 caliber revolver and puts it in her mouth, quote, Paige lay back on the bed, put the gun in her mouth and said, this is how I'm going to do it, unquote. You know, she's like talking almost like going to the grocery store or, you know, talking about Christmas plans. Just so matter of fact, like, yeah, I'm going to put this gun in my mouth and boom. So the friend admits that she was concerned not only about Paige, but also herself. She feared that if Paige was really suicidal and clearly unstable, she probably would not hesitate to take out her friend before killing her as well. The friend rushes out to safety and immediately she calls the police. When they arrive, it's too late. Her body is found lying on top of her bed, a blood-soaked American flag underneath her, and in her right hand is that 38 caliber revolver, exactly how she ran it through with her friend. And I feel so bad for that friend. Like, she must have thought, maybe I could have done something, maybe I could have taken that gun away, but you just, you, it's easier said than done. You never know in that situation if somebody is planning on doing something so permanent, so fatal, you never know what they're capable of. And unfortunately, she did say that, you know, she had a lot of drama with her, like, what's next? What's happening? You know? And so uh, that's really just insane. I mean, Paige's life was fine before being a playboy. She was bright happy. She enjoyed life. Once she entered that playboy world and became a bunny, things seemed to change. She was often introduced to strange men and within the mansion and clubs. She was basically passed around from man to man, often abusive. And it was almost like she was the last ribeye on earth. Everyone wanted a piece she began to resent herself and the empire that tossed her into a pit of hungry lions. One of those men was none other than Bill Cosby. Yes, the one who was once a beloved actor who brought everyone into his little TV home and TV family turned accused rapist of many, many women. Cosby, he was infatuated with her. He, he had to have her and only him. They became a couple, and wherever she was, he wasn't far behind. He was always watching her. A friend said this, quote, Paige was into her drugs, and Bill wanted to get her some. She was along on his trip like she was his pet dog. She was a very subdued person. Paige always seemed in a stupor, a daze, like he was controlling her. All I remember is that their relationship was not a healthy one. Unquote. She was passed around from man to man, 
And like in the relationship with Cosby, they were often controlling and abusive. And she just, she had enough. She couldn't take it anymore. And she ended it on her terms where she made sure nobody would ever hurt her again. At the time of her suicide, she was 30 years old. Bobby Arnstein, while she herself was not a bunny, she was Hugh Hefner's personal secretary. She dies at age 34 back in 1975. Right before her death, she had been arrested for drug possession charges and conspiring to distribute cocaine. Hefner claimed that Bobby was basically forced to kill herself after federal prosecutors had conducted a, quote, politically motivated anti-playboy witch hunt, unquote. One day, she checks herself into a Chicago hotel under an alias, and she overdoses on three different types of prescription drugs. Upon her death, a letter is discovered claiming her innocence, not only hers, but Hugh Hefner's as well. Eve Meyer Playmate of the Month in June 1955. In 1977, two Boeing 747 passenger jets collide on the runway at Los Rodeos Airport. KLM Flight 4805 attempts to take off while Pan Am Flight 1736 is still on the runway. While 61 people on the Pan Am flight managed to survive, a whopping 583 people die that horrific day, making this deadly incident the deadliest accident in aviation history. Known as the Tenerife Airport Disaster, Eve Meyer was one of the 583 to die that day, and at the time of her death, the former playmate was 48 years old. Claudia Jennings gets her start in Playboy as a receptionist. She then moves her way on up to Playmate of the Month in November 1969 and then Playmate of the Year in 1970, in which she is gifted with the pink Mercury Capri. She was also an actress being in several films and TV shows, including a Brady Bunch episode titled Adios Johnny Bravo. Well, one day in 1979, the 20-year-old Claudia is driving on the Pacific Coast Highway when she is unfortunately involved in a car accident and she does not survive. Dorothy Stratton, she was an incredibly shy girl. She was working in her teen years at the local Dairy Queen. And this is where her life changes forever, and unfortunately, not for the better. It is here at the DQ, home of the mighty Tasty Blizzard, that the young girl catches the eye of Paul Snyder. Many considered him a slimeball, a predator of young girls, and a Jewish pimp. This man would become Dorothy's boyfriend, husband, rapist, and ultimately her murderer. 
What this gorgeous and shy young girl saw in Paul, I have no clue, but she must have dug pretty damn deep to see what many could not. Playboy was hosting the Great Playmate Hunt contest with hopes of finding a centerfold for the special upcoming 25th anniversary issue, and it was to be released the following year. Well, Paul convinces the shy Dorothy to take nude photos in hopes that she will be the gal that they're looking for. She is only 18 at the time. Again, she is a very shy person, and it takes a lot of convincing and sweet-talking, but anxious and persistent Paul manages to get her on board with the situation. She finally caves in. She does as she is told. The moment Playboy sees Dorothy Stratton's photos, they immediately knew that she was something special, incredibly special. Now, the 25th anniversary edition goes to another woman, but she was crowned Miss August in 1979. She also worked at the Playboy Club in Los Angeles. Now, mind you, she's still a minor at this point, so instead of serving cocktails with the other bunnies, she's a door greeter, and she's great at it. People love her. She's bright, bubbly, happy. She has one of those contagious smiles. Now, Dorothy and Paul, they marry in June of 1979. She would be dead by August the following year. Not only was Dorothy a playboy bunny, she was also tipping her toes in acting. People, they loved her. They truly adored her. Things are going well for her. She's getting acting parts here and there. She was just named Playmate of the Year in 1980, the very year that her life would be ended by a truly pathetic coward of a man. And I use that last word extremely loosely. Now, before her death, she's introduced to a filmmaker named Peter Bogdanovich. He was recently divorced and he started to spend a lot of time at the Playboy Mansion. He's single and ready to mingle, ladies. So from the first moment he sees Dorothy, he was smitten. He becomes infatuated with her. He even writes a special part specifically just for her in his upcoming movie titled They All Laughed. Now, mind you, Dorothy and Paul, they're married less than a year. Many would still consider this to be the honeymoon phase. But the marriage becomes dull. Paul, he's demanding. He's controlling more so than ever. And the marriage had, I'm sorry, flatlined. And he knew that. He, he was no dummy. He knew this. Well, there's chemistry between Peter, the filmmaker, and Dorothy, the actress in Playboy Bunny. And once the movie is done being filmed, they actually do move in together. Dorothy, she knows her marriage is over, and she wants to make it official. She tells Paul that she wants a separation from him, and he buys a gun shortly after this. The divorce process is incredibly a bitter one, and full of hate and jealousy on Paul's part, of course. Dorothy, she just wanted a fresh new start. She was still very young at this point and just wanted, you know, to start over. Be with somebody who wasn't controlling her every move. Well, Paul, he had that kind of nasty attitude. If I can't have her, nobody can. No other man. Well, one August day, Dorothy, she heads over to the home that she once shared with Paul where they lived as man and wife. Now, I see two different versions of what happened, okay? One is that two of her friends who knew of her plans to visit Paul had come to check in on her after not hearing from her for a little while. 
and the other is that two of his roommates had come home and came upon a scene. Unsure which is accurate, or it could have been that two people were mutual friends, both Paul and Dorothy, and they were living with Paul at the time. So I don't know. What is known, without a doubt, is whoever walked into that home, what they saw was not comprehensible. You know, it would stay with them for the rest of their lives. Quote, it looked like it was a horror movie, a staged horror movie like mannequins and fake blood, unquote. During their meeting, a fight takes place, probably verbal at first, then turns physical and excruciatingly violent. Perhaps she had enough and began to leave the house, but he would have none of that. No, Paul Snyder was a coward on a mission. He brutally murders Dorothy Stratton, shooting her right in the head with a 12-gauge shotgun, but not before raping her. He then turns the gun on himself, never to spend a day, let alone a second, in a prison cell for his deadliest of actions. Dorothy, at the time of her death, was only 20 years old, making her, I believe, the youngest playboy bunny to die. A former social secretary of Hefner claims that he was beyond devastated of her murder and that Hugh Hefner was never the same after that. When I was being asked if I uh, Playboy was looking for a 25th anniversary girl day, so it was a big contest. And when I was asked if I would pose for the magazine, um, I couldn't talk to my mother about it because she was in Europe, so I had to make the decision on my own. And uh, my boyfriend, who is my husband now, um, just uh, said that it was the best thing for me to do. And, so after about three weeks, I finally decided I would. Starsto, play made of a month in February of 1977. Now, after her short fame with Playboy, she becomes an exotic dancer. And when dancing doesn't work out for her, she becomes depressed and she turns to drugs becoming a major drug user. And by 1991, she had quit drugs, had moved in with a boyfriend. She was basically pretty clean. I mean, it wasn't easy, but Star did it. Life was good for a few years. That is, mm, until one day in 1996, when a fight takes place between her and the boyfriend. They're both kind of drunk and she decides she had enough and she leaves the safety of the home and her boyfriend's protection probably and hits the streets, becoming what I believe would be every parent's worst nightmare when it comes to the choice of their child's career choice, a prostitute. She does this, selling herself on the street until one day in 1997. She is last seen around 3 to 5 o'clock and working the street in her old neighborhood, a place I'm sure she felt safe and at ease. Well, sadly, it was not meant to be. Her body is found shortly after. It's obvious her death was no accident. She had been murdered. Her neck shows signs of strangulation, a close personal way to end one's life. And she was just three days shy of turning 41. Now, Police believe that a serial killer was responsible for her murder. Someone who had also been responsible for murdering two other women, first Sandra Walters and then Tammy Strzok. 
All three ladies' murders remain unsolved to this very day. Elisa Bridges. Between 1994 and 2000, she had appeared in several Playboy home video productions. She was Playmate of the Month in December of 1994 and was Video Playmate of the Year in September of 1996. Now, in 2002, Bridges is found dead at a friend's house in a bed. This friend was a very good and close friend friend of Hugh Hefner's. Now, her cause of death was acute intoxication, the combined effects of heroin, methamphetamine, meperidine, and alprazolam. She was 28 years old at the time of her death. Anna Nicole Smith. Playboy Centerfold in May 1992 and becomes Playmate of the Year in 1993. She was bright and bubbly and full of life. Things were great for her, in other words. But, you know, in 2006, things get kind of bad. She's pregnant with her second child. Life should have been good. She was in the Bahamas at the maternity ward about to bring life into the world. Well, her son Daniel, who... Many who have seen her reality show would know who I'm talking about. He was the shy little guy in the background often. And he's there with her. Well, he dies while in the room with her due to an accidental overdose. The pathologist says that, and I know I'm probably going to butcher some of these words, but am I tried Thailand and two cold medicines? Methadone, Lexapro, and Zoloft were found in his system. At the funeral for the 20-year-old young man, Anna Nicole was beside herself. And I mean, like any parent would be having the grueling task of burying their own child. And even tries to jump into the casket saying if he was to be buried, she was going with him. He died September 10th, 2006. His baby sister, Daniel Lynn, was born September 7th, 2006. I mean, just, you know, baby girl's born, and then a couple days later, brother dies. I mean, I just can't imagine what was going through this woman's head. She, she said after his death that he was coming to her, in these dreams, what I would consider kind of like visitation dreams, possibly, I don't know. But she said that it was like almost every night that she was dreaming about him. And that he would tell her things like they he wants to be reunited with her, that he wants her to come to him. And she said that there were two things keeping her alive, basically. That her boyfriend, Howard, and her daughter, Daniel Lynn. But if it weren't for them, she would rather be dead and reunited with her son, Daniel. She lost a son, just given birth to a baby. It proved too much for her. And Anna Nicole Smith dies a few months after the death of her son, leaving her baby girl motherless. She died in a hotel in Florida. The medical examiner announced that the COD was combined drug intoxication 
with the sleeping medication, chloral hydrate, being the major component. And it is important to me to say that there were no illegal drugs found in her system at the time of her death. She was 39 years old, and she is buried in the Bahamas with her son. Jasmine Fiore never actually posed for Playboy like the other beauties I mentioned so far, but the swimsuit model worked for Playboy, often promoting golf events for them. And in 2009, the 28-year-old is beaten and strangled, her body mutilated, and then put into a suitcase. Her killer throws the suitcase with her remains in the dumpster, as if you would a coffee cup. I mean, it was just horrible. And he throws that in a dumpster in an alleyway in California. Well, you know, the suitcase, now blood-soaked, beyond blood-soaked, is found two days later. Not only was she murdered, but the murderer cuts off all of her fingers and yanks her teeth out. Now, thankfully, she did have breast implants, which had a serial number, as they all do, and she was identified that way. Who could do such a heinous, disgusting act? Turns out her husband of only a few months, Ryan Jenkins, could do such a heinous, disgusting act. A warrant is issued for Jenkins' arrest, and the search is on. Witnesses had seen his vehicle with a boat heading towards the Canadian and United States border. Canadian authorities are told to keep an eye out for the suspected murderer. Now, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police do report that they believe he crossed the border between August 19th and the 20th. Close to noon on the 23rd of August, Ryan Jenkins is found at the Thunderbird Motel in Hope, British Columbia. He knew the law was not far behind, and he refused to spend the rest of his life in prison, so he commits suicide. His body, found hanging from a clothing rack with a belt, ending the hunt to bringing him to justice. Debbie Bustrom, Playmate of the Month in August of 1981. She's discovered by Playboy on a beach in Miami. She was in several newsstand specials, Playboy videos, and took part in several events at the mansion. Debbie is found deceased in her Florida apartment in 2008. It's believed that she died two weeks before being found. Cause of death ruled a suicide, dead at 53. Victoria Vetri, unlike the others I have mentioned so far, well, she's still alive. And for some time, she was known as inmate. W.E. 3024. The former inmate was Playboy's Playmate of the Month for September 1967, and in 1968, she was Playmate of the Year. Now, a backstory really quick. One August night in 1969, Victoria receives a phone call from a dear friend, Sharon Tate. She wanted to check in and see if Victoria wanted to come over for a get-together. Well, Victoria kindly declines as that particular day she was not feeling well at all. And it was just kind of like a stay-at-home kind of day. Been there, done that. There's always next time. 
Mm, maybe not so much. The next morning, Victoria wakes up to hear the news that a horrific massacre took place at the Tate and Polanski home that night before. Victoria would not be the only person to decline Sharon Tate's invite. Steve McQueen also was invited, but had other plans, so he kindly declined. Roman, Sharon's husband, who had been away at the time of the senseless murders, knows that whoever is responsible for the massacre is still out there and gives the former playboy bunny with his own personal handgun, a Walther PPK automatic. She puts it in her purse, and there it stays for over four decades, actually, kind of unused, basically untouched. Well, fast forward 42 years. Victoria and her husband, Bruce, they are in the middle of a heated argument. She's accusing him of cheating on her, and he is tired of hearing these ridiculous accusations. He turns around and begins to walk away. Well, in the heat of the moment, first thinking that he cheated on her, such a betrayal, and then walking away from her, she can't take it. She opens her purse, pulls out Polanski's gun, and shoots Bruce right in the back. Now, thankfully, Bruce survives the assassination attempt on his life. This is what he said about the near-fatal incident at her attempted murder trial. Quote, Quickly, she just aimed and fired at me. I felt an intense burning and stinking on the left side of my body, and I smelled gunpowder. They tried to take the bullet out, and I guess it was too close to my heart, so they left it in. Unquote. You know, Victoria was wrong, not only in shooting Bruce, but also her accusation of adultery. 25 years, I have never cheated on my wife. I wasn't going to listen to that all night. I have been true to her for 25 years, and that's the truth. A divorce would have been sufficient, not a bullet. Now, sadly, it seems that Victoria got a slap on the hand for such a serious crime. She was sentenced to nine years. I'm sure that was an insult to Bruce and his family for attempted voluntary manslaughter. And... She was ordered to pay $70,000 to California's restitution fund. Yvette Vikers, Playmate of the Month in July 1959. Now, unlike the other Playmates I mentioned, she did not die young. She actually made it to her early 80s. But her death is a bizarre one more like the finding of her body, and it's worth mentioning here. Not only was she Playmate of the Month, but she was also an actress, having starred in several movies, including Attack of the 50-Foot Woman and Attack of the Giant Leeches. Now, let's fast forward to 2011. Yvette's neighbor, Susan, she grows rather concerned after not seeing her elderly neighbor for quite some time. Mail is piling up. Packages are just sitting there, not being touched. Susan conducts her own welfare check and enters the Hollywood sex symbol's home. Her body is found, and it was in a mummified state. Quote, She kept to herself, 
had friends and seems like a very independent spirit. We've all been crying. Nobody should be left alone like that, unquote. It's believed that she died from heart failure. It's also thought that she had died a year or even longer before finally being found. Word is, Hugh Hefner paid for her funeral. Cassandra Lynn Hensley, Playmate of the Month, February 2006. One day in 2014, a friend walks into the bathroom and finds Cassandra. She's unresponsive and CPR is performed, but no use. Toxicology report shares that she had consumed cocaine and alcohol right before her death. She dies at 34 years old. Stephanie Adams, Playboy's Miss November 1992. Quote, I lived there for months, and my favorite room in the mansion was Hefner's wonderful library, which he welcomed me to enjoy at any time. People thought his only interest was me posing for Playboy, but Hugh Hefner always told me just how proud he was of me becoming a published author. Now fast forward to May of 2018. She's in the middle of an extremely nasty custody battle for her son, and she decides to put matters into her own hands, and quite inappropriately, may I add. She's in a New York hotel where she pushes her seven-year-old son, Vincent, out of a 25th floor window, and then she jumps out after him. This shocking murder-suicide devastated many, including the father of Vincent, Stephanie didn't just brutally snuff out her own child's life, but took fatherhood away from a man who just wanted to be with his child. The bodies of mother and son, killer and victim, disgusting, were found on a second floor landing in the rear courtyard. Christina Carlin Kraft, named Playboy Cybergirl of the Week, May 4th in 2009. Well, in August of 2018, her body is discovered by the police in the Pennsylvania apartment that she shared with her fiancé. Well, earlier that fateful day, she had met a man named Jonathan Wesley Harris. Now, before the end of the day, he would murder her. During his murder trial, he claims that a fight occurred over drugs. So drug deal gone wrong? Maybe. He said that after he had killed her, he covered her with a blanket because he knew that he had hurt her very badly and he did not want to see her that way. Uh, well, dude, if you don't want to see her that way, how about you don't hurt her? Just saying. He had tied her up and he had choked her. Harris says that at the time of the murder, he was, quote, high out of his mind, unquote, on ketamine. He was convicted of first-degree murder in 2019, and he was hit with a life sentence. At the time of her death, she was 34 years old. <music> Natasha Jate. She was a host on a show on the Playboy TV network. She also posed for the magazine. 
In April of 2018, she posts an ominous tweet on Twitter, quote, Notice, I am not going to kill myself. I am not going to overdose on coke and drown in a bathtub. I am not going to shoot myself in the head. So if that happens, no, I did not do it. Save this tweet. February the following year, she is found dead after a night of partying in Buenos Aires. Police reports that there were no signs of foul play or violence against her, but her lawyer claims that there were inconsistencies in the report and that she, in fact, was murdered. And just a few days after her death, interesting enough, an Argentinian man, a businessman and producer named Raul Velazquil, was arrested for false testimony regarding her death. Why would he lie about the way somebody died? I didn't get to see exactly what that was all about, but that's really suspicious to me. Kelsey Turner, like former bunny-turned-attempted murderer Victoria Vietri, Playboy model Kelsey is still very much alive and kicking, but unfortunately because of her, one man is sadly not. While Victoria was not successful in murdering her husband, 29-year-old Kelsey was successful in murdering 71-year-old psychiatrist Thomas Bucard, who would basically give her an allowance, pay her bills, including rent. He had gifted her with money and presence and everything you could think of well over $300,000 from their time being together. Now, after a two-year or longer relationship, she was ready to move on to the next dude. She claims that she had left California going to Vegas to break up with Thomas in person. Well, in reality, her and an ex-boyfriend went. They beat him with a baseball bat, among other things. And he would later be found dead, his body shoved into the trunk of an abandoned Mercedes. Cause of death, blunt force trauma to the head. And last but certainly not least, and most recent may I add, Ashley Mattingly, Playboy's Miss March in 2011. She had been through a lot. She was in an abusive relationship. The man is actually, or was actually in jail for hurting her. She had problems with drugs and alcohol, but she was trying to get clean. She wanted to start over. She actually moves to Texas to be closer to her beloved family. She checks herself into rehab. Things are looking up. She is spending more time with family. She's horseback riding. She even adopts a little baby puppy to be her little companion, you know, keep her company. But that's not enough, and she unfortunately takes her own life in 2020, and she is 33 at that time. So in that short list that I covered, there were 10 suicides and overdoses, 4 car accidents, 
three murder-suicides, two being the victims, one being the murderer herself, one plane crash, three murders, one natural cause, one attempted murderer, and one murderer. It's, it's hard to believe that out of the 24, only one died of natural causes and old age. The others all died pretty young, some way too young. The youngest being Dorothy Stratton at 20 years old. I surrendered my soul to the mission Today you heard a lot about many people who ended their lives, and some were abused and ultimately murdered. If you or someone you know is dealing with depression, suicidal thoughts, or being abused, please tell someone. You do not have to go through this alone. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-TALK. That is 1-800-273-8255. The domestic violence hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. That is 1-800-799-7233. Your life matters. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They are all pretty fantastic. Haven't heard every single one yet? There's no need to cry. Just head on over to any of those awesome podcast platforms like Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's Special city shoutouts go to Amarillo, Texas, Steamboat Springs, Colorado, Greater Sudbury, Canada, Alpena, Michigan, and Torreon, Mexico. You guys, as always, thank you so much. It's greatly appreciated you stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Make sure to stop by next Monday to check out the newest episode. Do you have a haunted tale to share? Maybe a topic idea for a future episode? Be sure to message me on my Paranormal Prowlers podcast Facebook page, and I would love to hear about it. Thank you, guys, and we will see you next week.